Mosey Nation, welcome back to this day's episode of The Game. We talk about three topics on Vince Del Monte's podcast from March of 22. We talk about investments. We talk about reinforcing behavior. We talk about scaling teams so that other people can do the work for you so that you can ultimately print that monies without doing all of the works. I think you guys will enjoy it, and I'll see you in there. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Yes, this might be a question in the weeds here, but you know, if we're gonna ask you reinforcement of this, I guess this is, you know, of course you need to reinforce it. This is probably a dedicated role to, you know, if somebody's saying, hey, I didn't get results. I mean, the whole idea is to put this stuff in motion and then to find out issues as it shows up. What would you say to somebody who's afraid to like, I mean, you kind of address it. You need a better program. You probably need somebody dedicated to helping these red light clients, et cetera. But yeah. I, I, can, I can hear people's thoughts. They're fearful of, okay, I'm going to put this in motion, but what if this creates a customer service nightmare? It's kind of like the point though. It's like, then you go fix those problems too. Yeah. And then you have this crazy front end and then you fix the problems on the back end and you have a business and you're making 10 times more money. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, with some time we have left here, um, anything else you want to talk about on offer that you get asked that I might, maybe I missed asking you that just will make this the mafia offer? Well, the other two types of guarantees, you have anti-guarantees, which is it, we're looking for the type of like we're and you can do this, which is all sales are final, which is we're looking for the type of people that don't want guarantees. We're looking for people who want to do the type of work and we're going to be investing a tremendous amount of time in you. And if that's if that sounds scary to you, then you can definitely go buy an ebook for nine bucks. So many times I see salesmen, I'm sure you have too. They, yeah. they, they flaccid close, right? They're like, oh yeah. I mean, if there's any issues, you know, like either fucking have a guarantee or don't and own it, right? Own it. I love and it. And then yeah. uh, the fourth one is a performance offer, which is based on some sort of thing that's supposed to happen and it's proportional. So it's like, hey, here's the deal. You pay me a hundred bucks for every pony. That's it. That's interesting. Wow. We, there's so many different creative ways to do it. I, I just love what you're saying. This is all different. That My first business coach got me on the anti-guarantee, by the way. I remember when I was uh, 25, uh, it was $7,500, six months. It was actually with Corey Rudolph's Internet Marketing Center. I bought his DVDs, 300 bucks. They called me up on the phone. They asked me how I was doing. I said, I know what I want to do the rest of my life, but I'm overwhelmed. And he said, uh, all right, would well, you want some help? I said, sure. So I had to put it on two credit cards and I uh, actually had to follow up with me. And I said, when I go on the uh, follow-up call, I got him. I'm going to tell him, if you can guarantee me an extra, Alex, get this. My grand ambition when I started was an extra three to $4,000 a month. So I said, if you can help me do that, I'm in. So when I said that to him, he laughed. And I said, what are you laughing at? You know, if you can guarantee this, I'm in. And he said, Vince, we don't do guarantees over here. I said, you don't? What do you mean? He's like, well we're guaranteeing our time, but we don't know what you're doing with your time. So there's no guarantees. And that, that was my first introduction to the whole concept that success is your responsibility and your duty. I wasn't doing him a favor by becoming a client. He was doing me a favor of offering his services to help me. So I, I love that anti-guarantee. Just wanted to share that. Yeah. The book goes into a ton of detail on all these things, but yeah, big picture. Uh, those are the elements, scarcity, urgency. Uh, we didn't even talk about bonuses, but Scarcity, urgency, guarantees, bonuses, each of them has depth, and then the actual offer itself, and then which things should be bonuses, which things should be core offers, and then how you position it, how you should play with the numbers of people, how you should add in the, the rolling cohorts, all that kind of stuff, so that you can ultimately sell more people at higher prices.
Awesome. Well, hey, maybe just for a few final minutes, Alex, you know, now this is what's going to break the business. Maybe just start giving some insights on how to build your first team. There's That shows up for a lot of um, entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever they call themselves these days. First person you're going to hire, like what does that first team of four or five people look like? And just your process of letting go of control, delegating responsibility, setting standards of performance in order to, you know, free up your time to keep scaling. Yeah. So they're just, they're miniature big businesses. You know what I mean? So most entrepreneurs, you know, when you're, when you're starting because you have to learn a hundred roles and do them all fractionally. And then over time, as the business grows, you have almost enough work for a full-time person, right? And it might scare you because you're like, well, I was running this business on my own. So if I have one person, then I should be able to have, they should be able to do the same amount as me, except it doesn't work that way. So you probably need to hire five people to do the same amount as you because they're going to do one fraction of the thing that you're doing. And so I always outsource in reverse order of market. So if I think that right now, if you look at, so the easiest way to do this is do a time study. So you get a sheet of paper and put it in 15 minute blocks. And then you look at what you're doing with your time. So most people are massively disorganized. And if you're like, that sounds like it'll take time. I promise you, you'll triple your productivity when you measure what you're actually doing, right? Cause you want to brag to yourself and like you're really productive. And then by doing that, you'll actually get a lot more done. So You'll never waste time when you do time studies. So you do a time study. And then what you do is you block it into like what type of work it is. And then you can ascribe the value to replace that job. So if you're doing administrative work, that's 15 bucks an hour. If you're doing, you know, customer success, which would be responding to, is this the right brand of food? And hey, I'm stuck with my weight. What do I do? Again, probably 15 bucks an hour. Like not a lot of skill is required there, right? Sales, higher value. Marketing, higher value. CEO, making big decisions, strategy decisions, higher value. Product, mm-hmm. so making all the del- higher value. So if, what we're doing is first, it'd probably be frontline support or fulfillment, right? Next might be administrative. You can swap those. They're relatively equivalent. I think early on, it would be better seeing some sort of operations person. So some sort of administrative help kind of like an ex office manager is a great one to look at who, you know, somebody who ran two dentist offices and then they wants to work remote. Like those are great options mm-hmm. for because they're, they're Swiss army knives. They're used to doing lots of little things. Mm-hmm. So that would probably, cause it'll, that person will give you a lot of time back. They can also help you with your personal life, which still takes very real time for you. Right. So that would probably be number one. Number two would be customer success. And then number three would probably be something around product. Number four would be sales. And then I might have to hire, I probably, I probably get a vendor for, you know, bookkeeping and, and finances and things like that. So some of these things can be vendors, but that would probably be the first core, you know, four or five. You're That's still going to be running, you're still going to probably be running marketing and running the ads and, and making the videos and making the pages. Cause that's going to be your thing. What's your thoughts on going, um, you know, building an internal team where, you know, what roles like, you know, we I just recently discontinued services with our sales agencies. Great guys, but you know, I needed to uh, squeeze out more profits and wanted to have more control, have more of a dynamic sales team. You know, making offers and that. So, when do you really? You know, I guess I don't know if there's a right way or wrong way, but what are you definitely your thoughts and best practices around internalizing your team and just kind of keeping a lean, mean, like a high functioning team that can coordinate action and that doesn't get too fat, where your profits are bigger. Just, uh, I think that would be some great advice because I see some guys, they hire this team and then they hire this agency, then they hire this agency. But they, and now they're of a sudden, they're just, they're losing a lot of control and they've not, they're kind of like maybe delegated way too early some of these things. Yeah. 
I hesitate to make a broad sweeping generalization because sometimes an agency is a good fit. Sometimes a sales agency is a good fit. Um, you, know, you sacrifice control for speed. Oftentimes finding good vendors is, you know, just as hard as finding good employees. Like there's a lot of them and not a lot of them are good. So it just takes time and effort. I think most people, are, I think the biggest problem is that people are just really impatient. And so, yeah, you said people are really impatient. Impatient. Yeah. Cause they're impatient because they just want to hire the, you know, they, they interview five people and just hire one and they're like, well, I guess that's it. It's like, well, did this person blow you away? It's well, they didn't blow you away. Then why are we hiring them? There's just a body. And then now you're gonna have to spend more time getting them on board. And you're gonna have to continue to spend your time getting them to do stuff. It's, it's just, it's just like the first million is learning how to promote, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one to 10 is product. 10 to a hundred is people. Yeah. Once you cross a million bucks, Ish. It's going to be the lifetime gross profit per customer, which is going to be directly related to the quality of the product, the monetization system behind it, which is going to be the series of offers, upsells, price points, etc. Right? It's going to be the machine is is the second part, right? And then after that, once you hit you know a million bucks a month, then it's all people. And the people who need to be taught are low quality, but their raw potential they're not realized, right? So if someone's like smart and hardworking, that's raw potential, but they don't have experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you that for your first you know hundred thousand dollar employee. It's different. Once you hire your first two hundred fifty thousand dollar employee, it's different. When you hire your first million dollar person, different game. And mm-hmm. so, I can tell you, having done all of these things, it's a different level of acumen, different level of delegation that you can have, different level of freedom. And what's ironic is that people, entrepreneurs, want freedom and control, and you have to pick. You can't have absolute control and then try and have freedom, because if you control it, you are not free. And that's the entrepreneurial journey: is that you go from having no control to complete control, and you spend your life giving away control again. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that's still great. I'm going to ask everybody what their biggest takeaway is. The stuff about offering the renewals earlier on was was just brilliant for me. I want to thank you for that, Alex. Thank you for sharing that so generously. It's one of our young guys on the rise. Just uh, speak to just last question. I promise. Just on investing, I've never asked you. I didn't even think about asking you on investing, but since you touched on it, like, what's a good use of like? you know, how you're utilizing your money. You know, I've heard, you know, Cardone kind of summarizing, you know, invest in yourself, invest in your brand and invest in the assets. Can you have a little, a tier, just kind of like a simplified version of your investing strategy? I think that's a pretty good, I think that's a validation. I mean, overall, it's like you invest in yourself because you want to get skills. You invest in your brand because no matter what you do, your brand will still be there and it will jumpstart anything, right? And then you have assets for success. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue most people have is they start trying to invest ways too early. I mean, I didn't actually make my first investment decision until I think I had 14 million after taxes in my bank account. Like I didn't even, I didn't even make that. And some people be like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. But it's at the same time, like investing all this money, but they're broken. Like, what are you, what are you investing? I'm like, you're broke. You know, the only people who will criticize that are poorer than you. Right. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. So oh, man. Number one tip of advice, don't listen to people poorer than you. Second piece of advice, don't listen to people poorer than you want to be. If you're an employee, then the, it's a totally different equation. If you're an employee and you know what your, what your fixed income, you know what I mean, like what your, what your income is going to be more or less, then I would still invest in skills so I could get a better job that pays more. That's me. Unless you're like, I'm a teacher, I love being a teacher, and this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. Cool. If that's what you're doing, then you've already won because you love what you're doing. And then you're, you know, you're putting a certain percentage of your paycheck away. If you're like, I, I want to make more money, then you should be investing in the skills that are going to take you to the next level of your job. Because trying to save on $60,000 a year, when if you just invest in yourself, you can get to $250,000 a year in a better position, like, like 12 months later, 
then why would we waste time trying to invest the excess 10 grand to get the S&P return when you can 4X your income, right? It's just, it's, it doesn't make sense, right? And I'll tell you this, last point, because I get passionate about this, is that like every super rich person you see, and people ask me for investing advice, this isn't a, a shake of you, I'm just saying in general. People ask me for investing advice because now I have money to invest. Hey, Mosey Nation, quick break just to let you know that we've been starting to post on LinkedIn and want to connect with you. All right, so send me a connection request and note letting me know that you listen to the show and I will accept it. If there's anyone you think that we should be connected with, tag them in one of my or Layla's posts and I will give you all the love in the world. All right, so let's get back to the show. I got money by making money, not by investing. Every single wealthy super, you see, you know, Mr. Wonderful, yeah, a $400 million exit. Mark Cuban, billion dollar exit. So people see this and they're like, oh, he must be a good investor. It was like, well, he just received all this cash and then he had to allocate it, right? And so then at that point, then yeah, it's, then the fundamentals come in, buy stuff for less than it's worth, sell for more than it is, right? Like, I mean, the, the stuff doesn't have to be overly complex, but most people do it way out of sequence. I had an 18 year old message me yesterday saying, hey, I invested $2,000, I'm getting $100 a month, quote, passively for my $2,000, what should I do? And I'm like, you should take the two grand and buy a course on how to make more money. That's awesome. Because we're dealing with no flow. So increase yeah. the flow. If you're an entrepreneur, really, if you're an employee or an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, then I think the, the threshold's even higher. For an employee, it's a lower threshold. And because there's, there's less variability, you can, you can always park a certain amount. With entrepreneurs, like I spent every dollar I had on more education, more skills, more beliefs, more network, more whatever, until I couldn't find places to put the excess money. Thank you so much, man. You guys all go out and buy Alex's book. It is like by far the best book on marketing. Uh, some of our top students, one of our guys in our group, Frank, I give Frank a little shout out. He does over uh, you know, 40K on a bad day and he's uh, one of our top guys. And he said to me, I just listened to Alex Ramosi's book all day. <laughs> I talked to Tanner too. He said, oh, I'm going to make a few extra million off that book. So guys, these are like, these are exceptional marketers who are already doing incredible things. And Alex is here sharing and uh, giving you guys, I know he's got loads and loads more. This is the best stuff on this subject matter that we're talking about today to uh, help you guys grow. And you also hear a story. I really appreciated you, Alex, sharing your story on your podcast. He really humanizes himself. I think that's really crucial to help people break out of that survival and scarcity mindset when they're first starting. And I was really inspired just to hear those uh, first few years of your journey. So thank you for sharing all that. How awesome it was to, to not make my first million dollars for until year six, you know? Yeah, and most people don't hear that and they think that they're the only person struggling out there, right? Yeah. I'm the only person going through this right now. Oh, I'm the only person that's, you know, having all this, you know, rejection. I'm like, no, that's pretty normal. <laughs> I'll tell you this much too. Just in the fitness space, it's, it's, it's by its nature, very aesthetic, you know, status-driven space overall, right? Everyone's posting on Instagram, literally, right? Sure, you know, looking cool. I, I'll just tell you the story to maybe drive this point home. But like, there was a guy that I know uh, who's right, reached out to me multiple times for help. He's almost lost everything multiple times, just in the last couple of years. He's in the how to make money in the internet space. And I saw a little reel he put up and it was like, how to be a millionaire before 30. And I texted him and I said, are you a millionaire? He's like, well, I mean, I've done a million dollars in sales. And I was like, do you need me to define what millionaire is? He was like, well, okay, well, no, I'm not a millionaire. I was like, then stop fucking pretending to be one so that you stop feeling like a piece of shit all the time because you text me about how you feel like a fraud. I'm like, it's because you are one. So stop. 
And so I think it's like, it's so much, it's so much better. And I'll just say this from, from experience. It's so much easier to have influence once you own the thing than to try and get influence to make money. Make money and then you'll have the influence and then you won't feel like a fraud because you can point back to evidence. Most people have no evidence. So you have to rely on your own pump up and stories and emotions which are fleeting. And I think the only way to stay in the game for a long period of time is to have bedrock, a foundation upon which to build your own church, right? And so if the business is your church, then you have to build on a strong foundation. Like I love Gary Vee's thing. He's like the first video I made was I was 34. He's like, we'd already done 60 million, you know, in annual revenue before I even started talking about this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would say there's a common theme throughout like the, the little trajectory and I'm going over, but I, it's all good. Me nuts. Like I had one gym and that gym was very profitable. I didn't start selling how to make money with your gym for my one gym. I didn't start it after two gyms. I didn't start it after five gyms. I didn't start it. No, I did start it after six gyms, right? But even when I had six gyms, I wasn't sure if I was going to be good enough yet. So I started doing turnarounds. And I did almost a year of turnarounds before I got rid of my gyms. And then from there, after doing the 33 turnarounds, at that point for almost two years was when I was like, you know, I feel like maybe I'd be able to do this now, right? And then when we did 30 million in our second year, people were like, dude, you're business coaching. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to keep doing this thing that I'm doing, you know? <laughs> Like, dude, you should do this for Cairo. You should do this for salons. I was like, I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And then for another two years, right? 120 million in sales. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll write a 99 cent book and just see how that goes. Yeah. It's yeah. like an athlete. Yeah. After he wins a gold medal, he doesn't start coaching on how to create gold medals. He's, he goes up to then he's got, he's already thinking about the next Olympics, the next Super Bowl, the next championship. Right. Yeah. I get you. No, I mean, I'm not anywhere near where, you know, that level, but I totally appreciate, you know, wanting to respect the process of seeing how far you can take it. The process, I think that the longer you wait, the higher the peak the pyramid is. The reason so much stuff everyone sees on the internet is so useless is because it's regurgitated. It's mm -hmm. not first knowledge. People mm -hmm. are teaching stuff they've never done, which means right. they're not good at teaching it because they don't actually understand it, which is why you should never fear a competitor who copies you very nature, they won't be better than you. They require you to exist. You do not require them. People are like, dude, I saw your value equation someone else. They didn't give you credit. I'm like, dude, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so send the team after them. Oh, let's, let's press a lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, exactly, because they're trailing, right? They're, if you're innovating and they're always trailing, they're always a couple steps behind. It's never, it's... No one owns truth. It's just true, right? And so anyways, I, I, the, the, the reason... People sound better than other people is because they have depth of knowledge mm. and you create depth of knowledge through executing the same patterns in different stimuli in different environments. So you see different outcomes. And so then you see this huge pattern, huge array, and you're able to have deeper inferences around the things that actually matter. Right. Yeah. We talked about the, you know, the early, early selling thing we talked about earlier right, in terms of resigns. Right. Yeah. That comes because I've done it. Yeah. If someone else had been on here and had not done it. They would have made something up and it wouldn't yeah. have worked. Yeah, you're saying uh, TD, uh, TD Bishop Jakes, pastor, he says um, a lot of people use language to cover up lifestyle. And it's, it's, we live in the Twitter nation, right? And yet everybody kind of skims the surface. Nobody can really scuba dive with their subject matter. And I think, you know, that's why I'm never going to write a parenting book, Alex. <laughs> I tell my kids are about 45 years old, then maybe I'll, and they're out of the house securely married, then maybe I'll write a parenting book. But that's why, yeah, my dad always says, don't export things 
that aren't working inside the home. It's like, Vince, don't go preach on social media how your marriage is when you and Flavia are still fighting. It's like, get your own ship in order, right? And I think that's just what a great standard to hold to and to just say, hey, I'm going to get my, before I start preaching, I, I got to be living this out. I love it.